0: Ha yeah. ha no, 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 no.
1: Yeah.
0: We sell crack to our own out the back of our homes. We smell the musk in the
1: dusk and the crack of the dawn. We go to episodes too, like attack of the clothes, we break a What's going on, potheads? Cannabis enthusiasts. Slight maybe sometimes users advocates. This is the Mary Jane Experience. I'm Casey Jones alongside Strawberry Sequoia as always coming from the Green Room Studios in Boulder, Colorado. Um, If you haven't heard by now you're living under a rock or this is the first time that you've heard the Mary Jane Experience we are doing a Mother's Day raffle. We are teaming up with an organization called Root and Rebound. Uh, We had the lovely Opportunity to talk with Catherine, who's the founder of the organization. We talked about re-entry, the efforts that they're going through, what the raffle ticket money that we are raising is going to go for, how that's going to apply to, you know, rectifying social injustice, etc. Strawberry, you had the opportunity to interview Catherine. You wanna set this up a little bit? What did you guys talk about? What was
2: the whole shtick? Of course. So this may be the most important episode that we have ever recorded. And hear, hear. if you don't listen to anything else we've done, sit down and and please just listen to this one because we were inspired by a talk at South by Southwest and we'll go into that a little bit later, but it was about the war on drugs. And you know, it, it's so easy to, to get caught up in legal cannabis and all these really exciting news stories coming out and, and everything that's going on. It's it's fascinating, right? That's why we're doing this podcast. And it's a little bit easier to forget about the, you know, dark side, right? Yeah. Of the yeah, cannabis yeah. industry. And, you know, going to South by Southwest and, and hearing a little bit more about, you know, we're really not even close to healed from the war on drugs. And
1: and the war on drugs isn't even over. Is really no. kind of the, the, the gist that I got.
2: I mean, you know, it's like kind of over, but not completely. It's, it's just and...
1: not federally mandated at this point. Yeah. Like there's no like, we're the war on drugs. Like everybody pretty much understands from a federal level down, the war on drugs was a huge failure. Exactly. Kind of need to back out. We're spending money and time and effort. We're done.
2: But the fact of the matter is, is that there are still loads of people in the criminal justice system that have been essentially had their lives ruined for small cannabis crimes that we're all partaking in right now. Yeah. 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 And so we were like, OK, this is fucked up. This Mm -hmm. is not cool. Everything that we talk about, you know, we try and keep all our topics really interesting. None of that matters as much as this issue.
1: Yeah, this is the single most important thing we talk about.
2: So we we wanted to give back, and we wanted to figure out a way to do that. And we reached out to actually a ton of organizations, a lot of which were just like, we, you know, we can't really help you. And the idea was to collect um, from a bunch of different cannabis companies a bunch of products and and swag, etc to do a raffle to give all the money back to people incarcerated for cannabis crimes we decided to build it around mother's day Mm -hmm. and have it essentially be a woman focused giveaway or give back (laughs) and so we reached out to root and rebound and they were super excited about it And they accept the responsibility of putting all the donations towards helping mothers and women of nonviolent cannabis crimes. So we sat down with Catherine Catcher, the founder of Root and Rebound. And I guess to kick it off, um, it's it's sort of interesting to hear Catherine's background. Mm -hmm. She's a lawyer. She came from law school. Her you know, upbringing was in Jewish communities. So she sort of explained how she got involved in this and why she thinks it's
0: really important. Um, and I think we should hear it from her. Well, I am a lawyer by training and when I was in law school, I conceived of and started planning, uh, to build um, this organization, Root and Rebound, which now works statewide in California and has growing national programs. So um, I had a little bit of a unique um, sort of entrepreneurial spirit when I started law school, knowing that I wanted to do something in the nonprofit sector and found an organization that would fill a gap and fill a need. Um, For me, you know, the issues that we work on are both things that I do because of personal and also professional reasons. Um, have Jewish ancestry on, on all sides. My family came over to this country at the turn of the century, um, fleeing um, persecution and oppression that they lived in for you know hundreds of years in Eastern Europe, and um, started over in this country where um, they had nothing but didn't face the same level of discrimination um, that they did in Europe and had more opportunities. So it's kind of in my blood to understand the way that government and society can create or not create um, barriers uh, for people solely based on their ethnicity, race, skin color, um, and the importance of having a free and open society where people can flourish, why people came here and then why we were how we were able to succeed, right? Like, I don't believe that anyone's self-made. I believe that like it takes a lot of work, but also it takes a society that allows that person to flourish. And when I looked at, Immigrant communities, specifically in Miami, um, where I grew up, and also as an, as an older adult um, understood the Black experience in this country, there are so many communities and families and individuals who have suffered as a result of great ra- racism and oppression on behalf of the government. Um, for me, the criminal justice system is the pinnacle of that. Um, through the war on drugs, the war on crime, we... In this country, our government targeted communities of color, poor communities of color that had the least means um, and went after them with mandatory minimum sentencing, locking away people, quote unquote, you know, locking away the problem and (laughs) added to the existing issues that really stem out of slavery and Jim Crow in this country, right? Like this this decades, 40 years of, of the war on drugs and mass incarceration didn't start something that didn't exist. It is built upon um, the history in this country of white supremacy and what gets criminalized and what does not, what is legalized and what is not. And in many ways, that is the very existence of human beings. And again, so that really goes back to my family's history in Europe and who is legalized, who is criminalized, who is wanted, who is not wanted. And we use our criminal system to institute existing notions in our society and in this society that starts and ends with white supremacy. So yes, like our criminal justice system is failing us. So is our education system, our healthcare system, our social services system. These are all intertwined. Um, but for me, the criminal justice system was a place for us to say the war on drugs, the war on crime is is ending or has ended, right? We realized like that was an epic failure. It didn't work. Yeah. And all of these Folks in black and brown communities, now their children, their grandchildren have suffered. Many of them have gone into incarceration themselves. Where can we cut things off? And so we're set up as attorneys to work on the barriers that people face when they have a criminal record, have been justice involved, to say, where, do, where does this end? How do we stop people from continuing to cycle through incarceration and poverty? And how can lawyers be a part of that?
2: Okay, so bringing it back Catherine clearly has a strong passion for this and especially just in general, the failing criminal justice system. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what she comes back to time and time again throughout this entire podcast.
1: Yeah, and she sent us actually a very interesting video that we'll post on the blog here. Um, it was, lyrics were produced by Jay-Z. I forget who the artist was, but it, it's a very, it's a five minute like this is what the issue is and this is why it's a problem and this was the causality and this is where we exist um in terms of just like a resource for understanding this so if you if you don't have the time to do the research on where we stand currently with the the failure of the war on drugs just watch the video in the blog this will give you some basis for what we're talking about and it was very interesting so
2: yeah that is a really sweet video it's narrated by by jay-z it's also illustrated in just like A really interesting cool way and it explains the history related to the war on drugs which is where we went next with Catherine is Mm -hmm. share with us at least from a lawyer's perspective you know the law the history of the war on drugs as far as everything that could ever be (laughs) related to it in as best as she can do. I mean, she said she's not the authority on this, of course, but yeah. she gave a really good explanation. And then she also went into sort of where are we now? Where do we stand?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and something that's evolving. You know, we um, are in this unique political climate where um, there's sort of mixed things happening um, on this front right now. But um, on a sort of bird's eye view, you know, as many people know, um, you know, one one big plug I would make is, you know, I am not close to the best expert to speak about all of these issues and they're super complicated, but I would really recommend um, that folks who are listening, if they're interested and excited about learning more, there's a great book called The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander um, that has so much great data about the war on drugs, you know, the starting with Uh, President Nixon and then Reagan and sort of the buildup that happened in the 80s and 90s. So that's a great thing I would recommend. Another is um, Drug Policy Alliance, which is an organization that has a lot of research there. And um, Jay-Z did a video for them that takes like four minutes to watch. And it's great, again, at sort of making the ties between the war on drugs and the black and brown communities. So um, with that caveat that, you know, there's a lot of really great stuff written. Um, you know, in my my sort of what I can lend to this is sort of talking more broadly about you know what has happened in this country. And um, so in the in the 1970s, in Nick, under Nixon, we he declared a war on drugs, and that dramatically increased the size and presence of federal drug control agencies. And he pushed through measures like mandatory minimums. I had no knock warrants. Um, And then similar laws were enacted in states across the country, right? So the states kind of mimic the federal government. And there was this kind of chaos and panic created in the 70s and 80s that all of these social problems, all these public health issues, right, like poverty and violence and, you know, urban issues, rural issues, were were caused by drugs. And that's really coded language for, like, young black men on street corners selling drugs because um, we know the data shows us that white people do drugs just as much, if not more, than people of color and also sell drugs just as much, if not more, than people of color. But um, it turned into a way for our government to, like, go in and basically clean streets and lock people up For many, many years and even decades for nonviolent drug related, um, crimes. So you see, you know, over that period, we, you know, the country in a, in about a 40 year period goes, um, just balloons in terms of our, um, prison population going from about 200,000 in, um, 1970 to over 2 million in 2000. Um, In California, we went from having 12 state prisons in the 1970s to 35, right, in that short amount of time. Um, And again, the laws that were enacted did not impact all people equally. Um, Again, I want to be really clear that people of color are not more likely to use or sell illegal drugs than whites. But the way that we criminalized drugs, the way that we sentenced people, the way that we prosecuted the way that we incarcerated had a very disproportionate impact on communities of color for example a study that, that was done in 1998 showed that african american drug users made up 35% of drug arrests 55 convictions 55% of convictions and 74% of people sent to prison for drug crimes wow. so they make up 35% of arrests but 74% of the people who are actually sent to prison so that, even just sitting with that and sort of understanding that, that means that a lot of non-African-American folks were not, did, when once they were arrested, they didn't end up in, in prison, right? That's a huge difference in those stats. Um, we know that African-Americans were sent to state prisons for drug offenses 13 times more often than other races, even though they're only comprising 13% of regular drug users, Jesus. So, um, and, and when you look at statistics around um, the Latino population in this country, Native American communities, um, you know, you see very, very similar statistics. Um, another really great website that I love is the Sentencing Project, because again, these are research based institutions that have this data. If we don't have good data, we do things out of panic, fear, and discrimination.
1: That was a brief history on the war on drugs. Again, uh, a couple of reference materials were given. We will tag that. Um, Kind of interesting also is where we stand now. Um, And
2: what are we, or at least is Root and Rebound doing about it? Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, Catherine had some good thoughts on that, so we'll just let her tell us
0: more. And I think that the data that that 's been able to be developed to show the discrepancy between use and selling, and actually who goes to prison has shown us wow, like racism is at the heart and core of this criminal justice system. This needs to change um, to show that like imprisonment doesn 't work, and um, community based alternatives are, are what we need to be focusing on right so like good data is everything in this field because if not, people are working out of panic. And emotion and stereotype, and that's not a good thing. Um, right now, we're at an interesting place in criminal justice reform because you basically have a bipartisan movement on the right and in red states and libertarian states, where people, for economic reasons, um, you know, governments are decreasing the numbers of people in prison and jail because economically, it's a total drain and waste of money, and it's and it's a harmful. Um, impact on that person's life and their family's life, right? Um, And so for economic reasons, you have Republicans and libertarians that are really backing criminal justice reform. President Trump in January um, passed something called the First Step Act, which was federal criminal justice reform. And under this administration, many people would not think that something like that would happen. And it did, because again, there's bipartisan support. Um, On the left, of course, People are now realizing that if we're going to have a sort of civil rights and human rights movement, that people who are impacted by mass incarceration need to be a part of that. And in fact, if we're focusing on poverty and racial justice, that they should absolutely be a part of that. Um, So in some ways, I think the work is only beginning. Um, In some ways, there's definitely strides that have been made. You know, We're reducing um, in California. We've had numerous reforms in the last 10 years to reduce the number of people who are inside for drug-related crimes, reducing things from felonies to misdemeanors, letting people clear their record. Um, we got rid of, and in, in, only in 2013 did we get rid of the felony drug ban in this state, which exists in many states, which says that our, um, that, um, if you have a felony drug conviction, you were not eligible for food stamps uh, when you got out of prison, which may, which means you couldn't feed your family. Um so we just got rid of that draconian law in California six years ago. That exists in many states. So while we're, less people are, I hope uh, now going into prison and we have more diversion, and we're recognizing that what common sense will tell you that like draconian punitive, prison environments don't heal people, they harm them further, and they take them away from their families, and they lead to more poverty and more marginalization in these communities. Um, that's common sense, and and I guess we needed to see that for people to really understand it didn't work. So we have that realization now, I think, as a country, but what we're living with is families and communities that have been devastated by the war on drugs that are now living with its after effects. And that's what we really choose to focus on here at Root and Rebound. So what Catherine
2: talked about reminded me of what Chaz Moore, who is the, I think the founder of the Austin Justice Coalition. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw him speak at South by Southwest.
1: Yeah, and he was one of those those catalysts that opened our eyes to this issue in the first place. Um.
2: Yeah, I guess what what he said, and he said it so much more eloquently than I can remember how to say, but it was so important, so I just have to repeat this, at least in even in my own words. What he said was that the war on drugs is not brown or black people's fight it's not the already incarcerated folks fight it's much like you know how women's rights issues shouldn't have to be fought by women Mm -hmm. it should be fought by men
1: yeah the the fight for women's rights if i remember the way that he worded it was the fight for women's rights is not a woman's fight it's a man's fight it is up to the empowered male's dominating various you know parts of society that have to give up a little bit of power to bring women in and that's kind of i guess exactly to the war on drugs is it's not yeah it's not up to the people that are already incarcerated for mandatory minimums and you know three-time offenses and all the bullshit that was created it's up to the people that a either built that system or b uh in a way benefited from that system to say hey this is wrong we have to change this Exactly. So.
2: And the reason I thought about it with Catherine is that she is a white chick, mm-hmm. a well-educated white chick lawyer who was like, I am responsible for this cause. Yeah. And I just thought that was so cool. So I had her, I, you know, I just explained that story to her and had her comment on that a little bit. So here is what she had to say
0: even if you didn't go to law school like me, that doesn't mean you can't get involved, right? Like you don't, there's not a certain degree or background or requirement that you need. or well, like, oh, I don't know enough about this. I can't get involved. You absolutely can. Every voice matters. And, um, and, and, and I think people are also still uncomfortable in this country talking about race. Um, yeah. and that's something I hope we can also move towards not away from, I think, um, that's so important to realize our, our history as a country, um, the privileges that we, we have every day that people don't have because they don't, they look different. Um, and the familial history and understanding of like what it means to grow up black in America. Like the fact that my parents never had to sit down with me and have the talk, and a lot of, and every black kid will tell you they know what the talk is, which is that you sit down with your kid and at a certain age and tell them, look, you're black. And because you're black, you know, you need to act a certain way. You need to drive a certain way. You need to talk a certain way. Just because white kids can sit outside at a party when they're 16 and drink and smoke doesn't mean you can. Like, that's really sad to me that that happens. It's even sadder to me that I didn't know until I was 33 years old that that was a talk that almost every black kid had. I absolutely think um, you're totally right that um, we want to listen to those voices and we want those voices to inform and be for- at the forefront in the movement for more freedom and equality in this country and in ending the impact of, of the war on drugs and mass incarceration. But that doesn't mean that we white people stay home. It means we listen, we absorb, we learn, we get proximate to the issue, and then we figure out like where are we going to be supportive and helpful and how, what's our value add.
1: So, kind of moving forward, um, we always want to progress these types of conversations. Um, history is very important. We need to know where we stand, we need the information. However, uh, you did talk about what exactly Root and Rebound does. Um, kind of, it sounds like they, they do everything just involving reassimilation of incarcerated individuals back into society. Mm-hmm. However, uh, they operate very heavily in California. This is one of those major, major issues in the state of California that is, I will say, being addressed, but it hasn't been taken care of and there is no good solution in place yet. Um, So tell us a little bit, what what did Catherine have to say and and what are some thoughts about what Root and Rebound is doing?
2: Yeah, so I wanted to lay out just like solutions. Mm -hmm. What's the path? how do we change how do we make the world a better place and i think what Catherine does really nails it because they hit the problem from a lot of different angles and it's super complex and and you know there's there's so much to be done yeah but they do everything i mean they start right at policy reform so Mm -hmm. trying to change the laws that are still somehow fucked up. (laughs) You know, you'd think that'd be like the first thing. Yeah. But anyway, so, you know, they do that and then they work on a lot of community based education. They, you know, work with people that are already incarcerated or still incarcerated. And then one of their biggest, well, I guess the sense I got was that one of their biggest efforts is in Mm re-entry. And, Essentially, what that means is, you know, as soon as someone gets out and they're given $200 and a suitcase of clothes, Root and Rebound helps counsel them, helps them find housing that will accept people with criminal records, Mm -hmm. helps people expunge criminal records, um, helps them find jobs. And for specifically for women, which I think, you know, maybe people don't think about as much as reuniting them with their children.
1: Oh, yeah. Which starts wow. with
2: housing and a job and food mm-hmm. because, you know, people think that because you had a criminal record, you are not fit to take care of your children, which isn't necessarily true.
1: Yeah.
2: Especially for a nonviolent cannabis crime. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is but so Catherine. Yeah. Catherine says it a lot better. And um, she gave us. A really good overview of what Root and Rebound does.
0: Yeah. So that's great. And, and I, and I really hope that people come away from this feeling inspired. Um, you can always go to my website and email me and I'm always happy to talk to folks about how they can get more involved. Um, because we have volunteers and people who support us from like every single type of background and skill set. Um, but so more broadly Root and Rebound, our model is one that, is multifaceted. Like as we've talked about, this is, these are extremely complicated problems and there's not a silver bullet that's going to solve all of this um, at all. But we've developed what we believe is a really strong multifaceted solution to working on some of these issues. So we work on policy reform, right? Changing the laws that continue to perpetuate You know, mass incarceration, but also the consequences of mass incarceration. So um, we really focus on, you know, now we have one in three Americans has a criminal record. That's 70 to 100 million Americans has some form of a criminal record. And again, the majority of those folks are disproportionately people of color. And so what that has created is is a ceiling where there's a prevention of getting certain jobs, getting um, into housing, getting, uh, reunified with children. And those are the areas where, where we want to be working. And we want to say, you know, we want to end this idea that when you have a felony, you have no place in society, or even if you've had an, an if you've been incarcerated, um, because for guests, uh, for us, again, that's just a proxy for poor people of color don't have a place here. And that's, that's not okay. So, um, we work through policy and changing these broken laws, um, through public education and creating resources that democratize, especially for people who've been impacted, who are incarcerated, know your rights information. How do I stay reunif- How do I stay unified with my children? How do I connect with them when I'm incarcerated, if I'm a mother or a father? Um, where do I, how do I stop child support from mounting? What about traffic fines and fees? Um, when I'm getting out of prison, what, where can I apply for housing? Um, am, I, am, am I not able to be in any kind of public housing? No. And so how, do, how does that work? Um, employment discrimination, you know, how, what, it, what do I do if I feel like someone has violated my employment rights? Uh, parole and probation, which is a whole other form of mass criminalization. So many people, millions of Americans are living under the parole and probation supervision now because they get out of prison and they now have years where they're being watched, and that can lead to all kinds of vulnerabilities and issues. Um, our recidivism rate is about 70% in this country. And about half of that is for technical violations, not new crimes, meaning minor mistakes that people make that are not that are not criminal, but they lead back to incarceration because they've messed up on parole and probation, showing up late to a meeting, skipping a meeting, um, passing a, a curfew, using substances. Um, th- that can all lead to reincarceration. So... Um, The policy work, the education work, the know your rights work, and then the direct service work. Uh, Right now in California, we have offices in the Bay Area and Oakland, in Fresno, Central Valley, which serves um, formerly incarcerated women of color, and then in Los Angeles, a group called the Anti-Recidivism Coalition. And as I said, we're also expanding um, into South Carolina this year to have our first sister site in the South. So um, on an individual level, we work with people holistically across 11 areas of law and life to understand um, what their goals are, what their needs are and where we can help them navigate and overcome Barriers that they face because of their record. Um, so we fight for people to get, in, to get education and to stay in school, um, employment, housing. We're on the ground fighting for these issues. Uh, when it comes to women, because I know that the focus of, of this work and the podcast is really, um, to celebrate Mother's Day and to focus on incarcerated and formerly incarcerated women. You know, women's issues are unique and um, we have, we're really lucky to have this office in the Central Valley that is exclusively focused on women. Um, For most women, when they get out, you know, their number one question is like, where are my kids and how do I reunify with them? And in order to do that, they need housing. So and, and they need jobs. Um, and so there's a lot of work that goes into that. We have a lawyer, a social worker and an employment coach working holistically with about 30 women um, really in depth uh, in the Central Valley, which is a difficult climate to be in a very conservative um, part of our state that has less opportunity. So um, we're really digging in deep with those women to make sure that they have the stabilization and support they need to um, move forward with their lives to reunify with those kids because we know those kids statistically, again, looking at data, are far more likely to end up in prison if they don't have a parent in their life and if their parent is incarcerated than they are when they're reunified with that parent. And we know that parents that want to be involved and want that connection should have zealous advocates in court to advocate for them so that a judge doesn't just look at their felony on their record and say, oh, you have a felony doesn't matter. That's completely disconnected from their ability to parent. Judges all the time in family court say, "Well, you have a felony, so no, nope, not going to grant you this. Not going to give you custody. Not going to give you visitation." Well, you don't have housing. Well, I don't have housing because I have a record and I can't get housing. So, <laughs> yeah. how are people supposed to supposed to succeed? And and um and that's really where we come in. We want to fight those fights with with our clients on the ground along with them.
1: Root and rebound. Um. If there is a God, they're doing God's work in my mind. Um, I, you know, we did find this organization kind of um, specifically because it did focus on the things that we felt were important to this effort, Um, which that always brings us to success stories. You know, it's always, Mm -hmm. it's always nice to hear that the process is working, that this actually is for real, not, we're not just blowing smoke here. We are trying to actually help people root and rebound is doing way more than we could ever to help people you talk success stories you want to set that up a little bit
2: sure so as we've talked about a few times during the podcast we are doing a mother's day raffle and so Catherine, as you've probably noticed throughout the whole podcast we sort of focused more on the women's side of what they do, even though they work with everybody. Mm-hmm. So she gave us two success stories of women that she has helped get out of the system, or if they were already out of the system, one woman was getting fired from her job for mm-hmm. having a criminal record, even though she yeah. was doing a great job at her job. So I'm going to let Catherine speak to these beautiful success stories, I'd say they're very inspiring and it really shows the sort of beauty of of what just giving people hope can do.
0: Yeah. So we had... Um... One woman who came to us um, after being fired for her, from her job at a medical center for having a criminal record, um, and there were actually just criminal charges filed against her. There had been no conviction. And our attorney um, spoke with the legal counsel at the medical center because, you um, we informed them that we thought that this was a violation of her rights. And she had the, the client had tried to clear the charges from her record and had been unsuccessful. Um, but again, we didn't think this was a valid reason for, um, uh, firing someone who'd been working so hard in at the medical center. So, um, because of our advocacy, her termination was revoked. And, um, which was a huge win. She was able to go back to work. And at the same time, because she came to our office, our women's support manager was able to provide her with one-on-one counseling and emotional support to give her an outlet to express her anxiety through the process and to assure her that she'd be able to overcome this bump and other bumps in the journey that she has. Similarly, um, we had a client named Ashley who faced a denial of her teaching credential based on an old low-level misdemeanor. And our um, office prepared her for a hearing before the licensing board, which is a huge barrier for people who want to enter about 20% of professions in California require a license. So, um, they had been telling her because of this old low-level misdemeanor, she wasn't going to be eligible. And because we provided her with advice and counsel and support and representation, she was granted clearance to become a teacher. Um, what's amazing about her story is that she was really unemployed. She was making something like $40 a month and she's now making about $4,000 a month, um, and working in a career field that she loves and can now provide stability to her children. So, um, she had this great quote, which I love. She said, Root and Rebound for me represents a second chance. It represents really freedom for me because I was at a place where I was really broken. I was really hurt. I was feeling really low. I happened to stumble upon Root and Rebound at a hard time when I was trying to get a chance to become a teacher, and I didn't really think that I could.
1: I will just say in regards to success stories of people that have been reassimilated from criminal backgrounds, not everybody with a criminal background is a bad person it's actually
2: amazing that i don't have a criminal record Well, that's that's (laughs) i should
1: (laughs) well that's the incredibly like screwed up thing about the laws right is that we're partaking in this industry from a quote legal standpoint where 15 years ago if we were doing this we'd you know we'd be a target so yeah that's why we're we're making light of this we're not well not making light of it we're bringing light to the situation that is at hand and ways we can can you know Correct it, reconfigure it. Um, well, it's that, really
2: just about spreading the message. Yeah, um, is one thing that I talked a lot with Catherine about is like the the raffle is fun. Yeah. It's a great mm-hmm. way to get people excited, but it's really not what matters at all. I mean, the money is great, and it'll help. Yeah. But what matters is spreading this message and telling your friends like, hey, like remember that this is an issue and if yeah, you're yeah. enjoying weed, you should be caring about people that can't get into the industry or Exactly. So anyway. but <laughs> so to carry
1: on, I just wanted to interject with that story because it does, you know, when I hear things like this, it reminds me like, Oh, I've worked with ex felons and they're genuinely wonderful people. You know, we have to keep that in mind. We can't, you know, judge a book by its cover necessarily Kind of the the um, catalyst for us and this effort was we went to South by Southwest We heard a talk and it was labeled. How can we heal from the war on drugs? We mm-hmm. Effectively learned that a you can't heal until it's over. It's not really over So you did talk about how long it would take to fully heal from the war on drugs. Is it even possible? Um, You and Catherine had a little conversation about that. You want to briefly touch on that before we hear from her?
2: Yeah. So I really liked her answer because it's just absolutely right. No question about it. I mean, essentially what she said is keep trying for, for a long time, but we're never going to, it's not like this is going to disappear. This is going to be a part of our history forever. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I I don't even want to say much more than that. And let's just go into what she had to say.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, in some ways I feel like it's not about getting to some place of full healing. I don't know that that's necessarily possible in this country because again, um, it's more coming face to face. That would be like coming face to face with colonialism. Right. And like, there's no way to make that right. The fact that we came into this country, you know, massacred native Americans brought in slaves and that's the economy. And, and the government was, was sort of built upon that is forever going to be the history of this country. War on drugs stemmed from Jim Crow, which stemmed from slavery. So like, there's just this sort of like, I think the war on drugs is, um, part of the history of, the, of this country, if that makes sense, and sort of something we have to reckon with, along with a lot of other forms of racial and class-based inequality. But I do think we can get better. I think that the more, and we talked about this earlier, and I loved your question of like, what can people do? And I just think the more informed and honest we are about the inequalities in this country, race and class-based inequalities the closer we can get to coming up with solutions. It's having these really honest conversations with our loved ones, with our children, with ourselves at work, um, that we can start to um, work towards healing. And really, I think listening to and putting front and center um, what communities and and individuals who've been impacted, what they say and what they need. I don't think we're going to get to some point of perfection, but my goals are to see those stories lifted up, to see those people lifted up, to see more power go into those communities, to see policing and prosecution um, and incarceration done totally differently. Those things, I think we do have an opportunity to do to do differently and to do better. Um, but I think if we set ourselves up for like, we have to be fully healed. I don't know that it's ever going to happen. But I definitely think that we have this opportunity now where we're realizing like, oh, cannabis can be legalized and like everything's still okay. In fact, like in many ways it's improved. And so um, knowing that um, this sort of like hysteria that was built around cannabis and a lot of other drugs was was really just that hysteria, like what do we do now to to see all of these issues, um, you know, poverty, violence, Um, lack of means, Um, what what do we do to to see them in our own communities as public health issues and to not discriminate, marginalize, and judge people who are living different lives than those of us who are lucky enough to not really know those realities live. So for me, it's more about like understanding our fellow human beings and understanding the the histories of, of different communities in this country and doing what we can to make things right.
2: You know, maybe this podcast will um, be quoted in a history book in 20 I years. I absolutely hope so. But
1: <laughs> it, it it has that feeling, the war on drugs has that feeling with, you know, um, I always think about a certain song um, called Blood in the Water, and it has to do with, you know, speaking about that there are dark spots in American history, and we need to remember that. And there's nothing wrong with remembering that we screwed up because you have to acknowledge that in order to continue to move forward. And I think that's the effort here is to educate that it's happening now. This is a part of our generation and the generation before us. It's part of our history. We need to acknowledge it and then we can correct it. Um, So, you know, knowing, knowing that we're not necessarily done with the war on drugs, it really is just gonna be a black stain on our history. We just have to, you know, just be aware of that and move and and figure out how to move forward, how to progress forward, how to fix the wrong basically.
2: Yeah, That's I mean like I don't know if there's really any I
1: don't, I don't know if you know how, if we can or how to do that, but I think this is this is a good start.
2: Well, there will forever be lives that have been ruined forever. Yeah. and that are unfixable. There are families, there are generations of people that have been affected by this that will never be, never the, same. be the same. No. So the only thing we can do now is what Root and Rebound is doing, and that is why, again, the Mother's Day raffle we think is so important. Mm-hmm. And we highly, obviously, encourage you all to purchase as many friggin' Mother's Day tickets as you can because
1: a dollar a ticket, you could spend dollar piece, and you could end up with over twelve hundred dollars in donated. Mind you, this was entirely free to us and, and donated by some great companies that we will definitely mention and list in the blog. Um, but There's so we, much cool stuff. There is so much cool stuff. Um, you guys did specifically talk about what the raffle money was going to. And yes. one of the things you mentioned right before we recorded is sometimes it's good enough just to get somebody grocery money, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're out of jail. They were locked up for this nonviolent cannabis related crime or a nonviolent crime in general, you know, they kind of got effed by the system and really they need to get back on their feet. Sometimes it's just good enough for grocery money, you know, um, kind of anything else that, that you want anybody else to know?
2: Yeah. As Catherine mentioned, cash is very helpful. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and let's be real here. Like that just makes sense. Um, of course, we also talked a lot about what Root and Rebound does specifically to help people re-enter.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And Catherine told us a lot about her new office in Fresno. That's specifically oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. women. We need to mention that. Yeah. yeah. So, which is part of why we chose them as our organization is because they are doing very specific work for women that have criminal records. Mm-hmm so Catherine talks a lot about how how they're going to use this
0: money and why it matters one of the the major things that we were really um excited about is that through the raffle, there will be um, a donation that's made to our to our programs and specifically to our women's program. And um, you know, a huge need that we have for those women is often you know a little bit of financial assistance. Um, when we you know when someone loses their job, like those so those examples I gave you, um, overnight because of their record, they have no way to pay for groceries or for their rent that month. And so we've raised funds um, last year. We started to build kind of a cash fund for our women that um, we plan with them, like how much money do you need right now? You're in crisis. And then how do we help you get a job and get more income? Um, But we are going to help you weather this storm. Um, Or when women come out of prison, they come out with $200 and a bus ticket and that's it. Um, That's only going to go so far. And um, we know that there's more support that's needed to help people get housing, get employment, get showers, get food. And so our financial assistance um, is a huge part of just Basic stabilization and support. The women have what they need inside of themselves to succeed, but our um, provision of cash assistance and also a financial wellness plan um, are super critical to them exploring like, who am I? How do I? How do I get stabilized? Where do I? You know, where do I um, go from here? And having a moment to breathe and not being in crisis or on the street, and um, that's really important to us you know, we, we think our, our model of providing like legal, social and employment coaching is critical. And then there's just like times of crisis where what women need is money to like not be yeah. homeless and through our work we're able to make sure we find the best shelters or find the best programs and um and stabilize them quickly but the cash assistance goes such a long way for women and their children um again to stay unified to not get broken up by cbs or to have you know the mom picked up because she's on the street and you know and to not go back into you know illegal work to, to pay the rent. You know, there's just so much, um, that there's so much that these women's adversity that these women face. And there's so many times where people want to give up. And for us, this, this having this, um, cash assistance fund that helps people stay on the right path because they know we're in their corner and they feel our support and they have food in their stomachs and they have a bed to sleep on. Um, those things are really critical to the stabilization process.
1: So no matter where each specific dollar ends up, we are 100% confident that Catherine and her organization are going to put that money into the right places after talking with her and after, you know, listening to her, I hope you feel the same. I do got a rundown the things that we're actually giving away because they're sitting on the swag table that we've put on every single Instagram story for the <laughs> last week and a half.
2: Um. So let's speak to some of our amazing sponsors for Ooh. this raffle. People that have given us hundreds of dollars worth of, worth of prizes for free.
1: Thank you to all of you.
2: Thank you so much. We have a gorgeous flower bud vase from my bud vase we have CBD coffee from Ock Coffee. We have two cases of CBD chocolate from Lulu's, which is also Lulu's Botanicals.
1: We should mention there probably is going to end up being a second and third place winner of this raffle. Just saying.
2: Yeah, probably. I mean, we so many people have given us so much more than we ever expected. So, yeah. you know, we're giving out six Cannabis infused perfume oils from herb essentials. And then they gave us six awesome tote bags as well So they'll probably end up being a lot of raffle winners It's not not
1: winner-take-all here. Yeah, one dollar has a chance to just win something. Exactly.
2: So we have gold leaf we have Aster farms who we have interviewed on the podcast. You should check that out we have 420 Science. We have Hippie Naturals. And gosh, we just have so many incredible Gold sponsors. Gold Leaf uh, Journals, I see yeah, them there. Yeah, I, I said them. Oh,
1: you did? 420 Wipes? That's
2: 420 Science, already said. Oh, already said. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we'll also be giving away Mary Jane Experience t-shirts. We have Lady Jane CBD, Tincture and Vaporizer. I mean, it's like, it's impossible to even read off all these sponsors because.
1: If you are in any way, shape, or form a fan of marijuana cannabis and the use of it, this would be the coolest thing to show up on your front door for a dollar. That's all I got to say about that. Oh, yeah. This big bag of goodies. Um,
2: We have a $50 gift certificate to Tokativity.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, yeah, we're getting, and the crazy thing is, is we're getting new sponsors every day. Yeah, so, this thing
1: might get even better.
2: Yeah, up until Mother's <laughs> Day, the prize value just keeps increasing, and the community has been so, so supportive. Yeah, people really do care about this cause, and it, it just goes to show that people want to help. Yeah, it's just hard.
1: And more importantly, I think people want to right their wrong. Mm-hmm. and that's kind of the nice part about it is you know moving forward just acknowledging like hey we as a country we fucked up but you know as as a collective few maybe we can do better and you know i think that's cool
2: yeah so, so anyway check out the blog we've got this whole interview transcribed it's at maryjaneexperiencecom dash blog you will find a link to the raffle on our home page as well as in our Instagram bio, if you follow us, which you should. And other than that, check out Root and Rebound at rootandrebound.org and let us know what you think. You know, yeah. Let us know if there's other causes that you'd like us to do the same thing for.
1: Yeah, 100%. We're down for you know, supporting or you know, bringing light to injustice in any way, shape, or form, how we can help kind of, again, right that wrong. Let's let's talk about it. Let's acknowledge the things we've done wrong and let's make a difference and let's change it. So
2: hell to the yeah. All right. Thank you so much for your support and thank you for sharing this podcast because this information is only as good as the amount of people it reaches. True. We need to, you know, win some prizes. That's super fun. But share this news share this information and get people on board you don't need to buy a lottery ticket or raffle ticket you just need to share this and yeah. that's helping the cause or
1: count up your friends one two three four five six seven you have seven I, maybe eight i
2: have like three and
1: i got like seven and a half
2: you're so popular <laughs> i think
1: buy seven raffle tickets tell all seven of your friends I spent a dollar on you, you might win this thing. That's, that's a good way for them to know about it, you know?
2: Yeah. Like, and get one for your mom or yeah. moms.
1: Or go, yeah, exactly. This is a Mother's Day raffle.
2: Every mother you know should have a raffle if ticket. If your
1: mom, if you even lightly suspect that your mother uses cannabis, just buy her a raffle ticket because this could be a great conversation starter. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to leave it at that. Good night, stoners. We love you. <laughs> <laughs> this is once so again... Much been another production of the mary jane experience podcast from the green room studio in boulder colorado check us out maryjaneexperience.com and pretty much anywhere you find podcasts or social media we're there